everyone. How are you guys? I hope you're well. Um, today is a very special day. Uh, I'm just excited to bring the word to you all. It's also a special day because I see my neighbor is here, Liana. Make sure you guys uh, say hi to my neighbor here. She came to visit and hear me preach, so we'll see how that all goes. Um, so we're going to be in the book of James, uh, James chapter 1, verse 9, James chapter 1, verse 9 to 11, just three verses this morning. If you go ahead and turn with me there and when you're there, if you can say amen. James chapter 1, verse 9. Um, we are going to be going through this passage, and at first glance, it seems like something that I like to call a paradox. Now, a paradox is something that's true, and uh, even if it seems to defy common sense. Um, so that's kind of how I take this uh, little snippet here uh, in James. Um, a paradox, one of my favorite paradoxes is uh, this right here. This is a please do not touch sign, and under it, is uh, a braille. And so I, you can see kind of the irony in that. Please do not touch, but there's braille in that. Um, I've got a video sound, guys, just FYI, the next one here. This is another paradox that we see here, something that um, is supposedly not supposed to have value, but actually has quite a lot of value. Um, you didn't know that I had no arms and legs until I was born, and then I was born, and I said, surprise! And the doctor said, we're so sorry, we didn't pick up that he had no arms and no legs, he's not going to have any quality of life, we're sorry, we were not able to give you a choice to abort him. 1982. And they said to, said to my mum and dad, he's never going to walk. God says in the Word, He uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. How is it but a miracle of God? It's a miracle of God for a man without arms and legs to be his hands and feet, to boldly represent Christ as his ambassador, and stand in front of the gates of hell and redirect traffic. Another paradox. Uh, that's uh, Nick, and he's got quite a story. I'd look him up on YouTube later when you guys go home. But man, it's, uh, it's amazing. Amazing um, what God has shown us through his word. And, and, and this passage that we're going to read here is, has a similar uh, sentiment to it. It is kind of a paradox. Now go ahead and look at me. Look with me. Um, James chapter 1, verse 9 says, Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat that it withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade in his pursuits. Now, when we first read this passage, we can think, okay, well, what's going on here? Because we, we were just talking about trials, right? and counting it all joy, and, uh, and now we're talking about the lowly brother and the rich and humiliation. What's going on here? Questions like, are we supposed to associate ourselves with the lowly or the rich? Who are we in this, uh, in this passage here? And why the sudden change in tone are all questions that come up when we get to this passage. So we're going to dive into this and, um, and just go verse by verse. But before we do that, let's go ahead and take a moment to pray. God, I just thank you, Lord, that um, you have given us your word. God, I thank you that you are here now with us. Thank you that you, um, Lord, are just uh, um, honored in, in the praise that we give you, Lord. And so, Lord, as we worship you now through hearing your word, Lord, I pray that your spirit would just uh, speak to us anew, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this time that we can be here. Thank you for this building that we can be in, Lord. 
and gather as your church, Lord. We praise you for all these many blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So one of the sub-themes that's found in the book of James is uh, what is the believer's relationship to material wealth? How are we, as Christians, to handle money? How are we supposed to treat people with money? How are we supposed to treat people without money, people with high status, people with low status, um, is one of the sub-themes that's found there. And now, it's interesting that there is a certain appeal for the gospel of Jesus to those who don't have as much material wealth. And why is that? Um, oftentimes, it's because there is a promise of hope, which is something that might be lacking for them in that context. Now, again, another question that rises up when you're talking about the lowly and the rich is, what is that? Because that's a pretty subjective term. It's pretty relative depending on your cultural context. We can all in here probably be seen as very lowly. And we can all in here probably be seen as very rich. So take that in mind as we go through this context. But um, the gospel, interestingly enough, was actually uh, explicitly taught by Jesus for um, one of the reasons was to reach out to the poor. Take a look at this passage here. Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus is in the synagogue and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive and to recover uh, and the recovery of the sight of the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So the poor, the brokenhearted, the captive, the oppressed, all people who need hope. Now that's applicable to the rich and the poor, of course, but the difference is one has enough, and the other doesn't. Um, there is an explicit appeal for Jesus to go after these marginalized groups. Now, as we go through this passage and we compare and we contrast um, the lowly and the rich, I want to caution each and every one of us against making accusations or judgment based on what someone does have and based on what someone doesn't have. Um, just because someone has or has, doesn't have something doesn't make them inherently better or worse than us as believers. One thing the Bible is very clear about is that um, us as Christians, that God is against us making our wealth and our riches our idols, um, allowing it to make us proud and presumptuous. Um, and for those of us who don't have as much, um, the Bible cautions us against envy. And it cautions us against mistreating those who do have. In fact, it's possible for Christians who don't have to be just as presumptuous as those who do. Both parties struggle with discontentment, with unhappiness, sometimes with bitterness for those who have and those who don't have. Now, going back to the reason why the gospel is so appealing to the lowly is because um, oftentimes they are without hope. Um, some of the most uh, devout and faithful believers that I've met, both locally and on the mission field, have been people who just don't have a lot. Now, now the truth is the same for the rich as well. I've met some people who God has greatly blessed. And you know what? They are so faithful in how they serve the Lord with their time, with their resources. It's incredible. Um, the difference is that those who are considered lowly are oftentimes... Uh, 
low in social standing, they're often viewed as less important. If we weren't all Christians, and if we weren't all born again, probably we might not associate with them. They're people that were like, just pushed to the side, um, show a little bit of favoritism. Now, we're not going to get into this right now. Pastor Sean will preach on it a little bit later once we get to James chapter 2, but I do just want to read it here. James chapter 2, verse 9 says, But if you show partiality, you commit what, church? You commit sin. And are convicted by the law of this transgression. Now, I want to remind you, James, he's talking to the church, and it's like, what? Like, that would never happen in our church. Um, but, but quite frankly, it, it does. Um, to show honor um, or contempt based on what someone has or what someone doesn't have, whether it's social standing or whether it is material wealth or whatever other structure you want to put there, uh, God calls it a sin. He says it's a sin of um, showing favoritism towards those who have and those who don't have because of something that they can give us. Now, this is just the intro. This is a side, side thing. But I do want to challenge you this week um, to go out of your way and find someone who really has nothing that they can offer you um, and show the love of God to them. Um, there are people who have walked alongside us that were like, and just in, in, in been really good to us and loved us despite us not being able to offer them really anything but our you know, humble friendship. It's been amazing. Um, there's people who we uh, run into, like at the grocery store, there's, uh, um, there's a lady who we just, I mean, we just love it. We just love her. And uh, she has absolutely nothing that, that she can offer us. And, uh, and, and it's just so amazing. Not a believer, but we just show the love of God to her. So I want to challenge you, church, to do that this week. Okay. So all that to say, what is the point of the uh, change in tone? So we're talking about trials and, and just counting it all joy. And, and then we're like, okay, the lowly and the rich. It's like, what, James, what are you talking about? So three main points that we're going to glean from this passage. First one is, point one, remember the high position that you have in Christ. Let's go to verse 9. It says, Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation. Now, there's two words there I want us to focus on. The word lowly and the word glory. What do these words mean in their original language in Greek? Now, the word lowly uh, in Greek means uh, to be of low social status, undistinguished, and of no account. Okay? Now, imagine you're going for a job interview, and the first thing you put on your resume is, Hello, my name is Danny Martinez. I am of low social status. I am undistinguished and of no account. Going through your mind, you're like, hire them. Done. They get the job. Um, so, and then the next word is, uh, the Greek word is, is for, for glory, it means to take pride or to uh, boast and to brag. Now, when we put these things together, uh, what do we get? Here's the paradox. Paradox is that even though you are of low social status, undistinguished, and of no account, what do we do? You boast. You take pride and you brag about that. And you're like, what? That seems pretty, uh, pretty weird. Why would we take pride in our lowly position? Why brag about that? Do you brag because, well, I'm not nearly as materialistic as uh, those uh, rich people over there or those other people over there kind of create an us-versus-them dichotomy. No, 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 that's not, what, that's not what the passage is getting at here. Look at this. Go ahead and turn with me. I actually want to hear the pages of... Bible's flipping. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. Don't lose your spot here in James. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. When you're there, if you can say amen. Jeremiah 9, 23 gives us a great explanation of why are we to boast 
in our lowliness. I hear fewer pages flipping these days as everyone seems to use phones and tablets now. All right, Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23, amen? Jeremiah 9, 23 gives us the reason here. It says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, nor let the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But, here's the key, let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. Brothers and sisters, if you're going to boast, if you're going to be prideful, Boast and be prideful in understanding and knowing God. Knowing what? Knowing what he did for each and every one of us. He lived, he died, he rose from the grave. Why? To pay the penalty for our sin. It's amazing. It's a high privilege. You know what he calls us now? He calls us his. He calls each one of you who have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, children of God. I got three wonderful kids. Well, wonderful to us, maybe like tremendous for some of you guys. They are full of energy, and I don't know where they get that from. But, um, but my kids are my children. They are heirs to everything that I own, my, my little truck. They are heirs to my truck. You know, great kingdom, right? So, uh, but they're heirs to that. And check, check this verse out here. John chapter, 12, John chapter 1, verses 12 to 13 says this. But as many as you received him, to them he gave the right to become what? Read it, church. Say it one more time. Children of God. That's you. To those who believe in his name, who were born not out of blood, nor out of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but God. It's incredible. Children of God. Children of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that means we're heirs to the kingdom of God because of what Christ has done. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 16. Romans chapter 8, verse 16 says this, The Spirit himself bears witness, that, bears witness with our spirit that we are what? Children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory with which shall be revealed in us. Now you can write that passage, that verse uh, um, 19 there, as a parallel passage to James chapter 1, verse 2, when it says, Count it all joy, my brother, when you face trials of various kinds. Why? Because of the glory that will be revealed in us. Um, now, when we read Scripture, context is king. Uh, to, to understand a passage, to know what's around it, to understand its meaning. And in verse 9, it reminds us that even James is talking about trials and, and, and everything that's going on and, and endurance and patience and being complete. And, uh, and it's a reminder that even in our lowly positions... Because again, these terms are, are, in this culture it was a little bit different. There was a higher distinction within you know, the culture that we're in. Um, there's not as much distinction. There is, but not as much. But we can all, again, be associated with being lowly and, and, and being rich as well. Um, within the context of being lowly, 
Remember, guys, remember. Remember who you are. Sons and daughters of God Most High in the middle of trials. Remember your position. So that's verse 9. Verse 10, number 2. Remember the brevity of life. Remember that we are here one day, gone the next. Um, Look at verse 10. But the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. Everything that we've worked for, everything that we've sweated over, every hard decision we've had to make, everything will one day fade away. We'll be absent from the body and present with the Lord, which will be exponentially better. Um, But everything that we do will do us no good when we pass from this life. Um, During this time, the uh, Pharisees would teach that um, if you're rich, that you were um, highly favored by the Lord, you were blessed by God, and it would be seen as a uh, a marker of um, your uh, your favor uh, towards the Lord. Um, and so that's why you see James take this really harsh position against this. Um, while this may be the case, it is not necessarily true. While God does bless certain people with material wealth, uh, it is, again, not necessarily true. And God calls us to use our wealth as a tool in his hand. Now, this is not a sermon on wealth. That is a, time for, a sermon for a different time. But I do want to uh, just give a brief summary of, of what these first two passages are saying here. The summary is this, and it's in, your, it's in your notes there. If the key for the low Christians is to remember their high position in Christ, the key for high Christians is to remember their low position as finite people. We are here just for a moment, and each and every one of us have been given this wonderful gift of time. Time. It's a gift from God. We've also been given different talents and gifts and resources. And what we do here on this earth, what we do with our time, it has everlasting effects in the future. Like the future future, not like the next 20, 30, 40 years, like in all of eternity. Um, look at this passage here. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21 says, Do not lay up for yourself treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not telling you, go home, put your house on the market, and give it all away, and come live at Faith Community Church. Uh, that's, that would be kind of cool. But no, we're not going to do that. I think that's not okay. Um, but rather, what I am trying to get you to do is to reflect. Take a moment and reflect. Where is it that you're investing heaviest in? Your time, your money, your gifts, your talents? Some of you, and we'll mention this here, some of you think, I don't have a whole lot to give, and and maybe some of you in that older category, you have so much to give. Years of wisdom. And and look around. There are people my age, a little bit older, a little bit younger, who, uh, who need guidance and counsel from godly men and women in their lives. You know, are we focusing on this kingdom work? Because, guys, the, the Scripture is very clear. Their harvest is plentiful and the labors are few. I, I am blessed to work with uh, young people. I love what I do. I love working with students. And, uh, but, man, 
there's work to be done. I see it in homeschool. I see it in public school. I see it in private school. All these kids are, are in need of Jesus, need of hope. Um, there's work to be done. Um, now, regardless of where we're at, in, in, uh, whether we are below average in our income, whether we are average in our income, or whether we are above average in our income, this applies to us all. And again, talking about the rich here, money is not evil in and of itself. It's actually amoral. It has no morality in and of itself. What it comes down to is our hearts. Are we content with the Lord or not? One of my favorite quotes from John Piper, he says, God is glorified in us. How many of you want to be glorified in God? How many of you want God to be glorified in you? Yeah, I'm glad you raised your hand. Yes. I want, to be, I want God to be glorified in me. But he says, you know, God is glorified in us when we are satisfied in him. Uh, I want to ask you the question, are you satisfied in God this morning? Now, don't, just don't answer it right away. Just, just think about that for a second. Am I satisfied in God this morning? Maybe in some areas of our life we certainly are, but in others it doesn't appear to be that way. Second point is to remember the brevity of life. Look at this passage here in Psalm chapter 90, verse 12. says, So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Uh, if there was a calendar with the amount of days that we had left, it might create a little bit more of an urgency with what we do with our time, with our gifts, with our talents. I look, oh, I look here and I see, wow, I see godly men and women who have so much to give to the kingdom of God. Are we doing that? Now, one more passage here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw... Each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work, of which sort it is. If anyone's work, which he has built on it, endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Now, we don't have time to break down this entire passage here, but I want to just quickly touch on the metaphor that's used here. Um, the wood, the hay, the straw are not evil things that we do, but rather they are things that have no uh, eternal value necessarily. Now, I'm not saying, again, I've got I to clarify this because someone inevitably goes out and says, Pastor Danny said, don't do this. No, no, no. I'm not saying going out on your boat and fishing is bad. That's not a, an inherently bad thing. It's actually good, and if you do that, please invite me. I've got to plug it when I can, so... It's not a bad thing, um, but they're just things. That there there is, is, is an acknowledgement of where are we spending most of our time and resources on? Is it things like the gold, the um, precious silver? The, I mean, the, the silver and the precious stones are they spiritual services and activities to further the kingdom of God? Um, let me summarize this passage with this. It says, "What we do now with our time and resources determines the reward we'll receive and the outcome." for the rest of our existence. That's a long time, and sometimes it's so easy to focus on this. I am going to um, do an illustration here, and I'm not going to do it justice, because it's been done many times before, but I actually need someone to help me with this. 
I'm trying to find someone who, I just need someone to grab this for me and take it down to the, thank you, dude. You want to help me? Come here. Here, I, both of you actually would be great. Here, go ahead and grab this, and you follow him and go all the way to the gym, and then you're going to hold it over there. Keep going, keep going. This is, I didn't untangle this, so hopefully there's no knots. Yeah. Keep going, keep going. So this is, um, for those of you who maybe can't see super well, this is a string, and um, I got it at Home Depot. And uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of about it. So while they're doing that, I just want to give you this illustration. This is an illustration done um, by Francis Chan, so you can certainly go ahead and look at it online. But imagine that this string is a timeline, okay? And, uh, and this section right here, you guys can keep going. Go ahead, go ahead. That this right here is representative of your life. Okay, we are born, we live, we work, we save, we enjoy this little bit after we've worked our entire life, and then we die. Okay, and that's it. Here, go, keep going, keep going. This, this string is supposed to go on for all eternity. So, <laughs> I went to the Beyond section in Home Depot. So, uh, but this is our life right here. Sometimes we can focus so much on this. All right, you guys can go ahead and drop it because I'll, I'll need it for the rest of it. Thank you, guys. I thought it would be more entangled. Sometimes you can focus on just this, and we forget about all of this that's left. Okay? Look at this. Look at this. And it just keeps going and going and going, and it's still in a knot over there, and it's rolling back over here. But we focus on, on, on maybe just this little part right here, which is our, our life. And sometimes we're not even guaranteed this. Unfortunately, there's times when this is all we're given. And, and, and we forget that what we do here has ramifications for the rest of this. Look at it. It just keeps going and going and going and going and going. This is what awaits us. Um, we've been given a gift of time. What are we doing with our time? What are we doing to further the kingdom of God? So to summarize these last two points, uh, if the key for low Christian is to remember their high position in Christ, the key for the high Christian is to remember um, that we are, are finite people, that our time is certainly limited. And for us in the position of being low, um, if we're going to boast and brag, we boast on what? Jesus. Boast in what he's done. I love the song that says, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. It says, I will not boast in anything. No gifts nor power, nor wisdom, but I will boast in what? In Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. We're going to boast, boast on that. Point number one is that remember your high position in Christ church. Point number two is to remember the brevity of life. And point number three is that inevitably, trials make us all dependent on God. Jesus says he sends rain on the just and the unjust, and uh, whether that's good rain or bad rain, I think we could certainly use a little bit of rain now. I love this. I love the sun, right? But don't get me wrong. A little bit of rain would be nice. But um, God sends rain on the just and the unjust. When trials come, regardless of the category you may find yourself in, um, we are all forced to depend on God. The differences for those who are in a high position we would be considered as rich Christians 
It's very easy to put support structures, artificial support structures all around us that make us feel more secure and depend on our strength, our might, our wisdom rather than on God. So, verse 11 says, For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass, its flowers fall, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man will fade away in all his pursuits. And again, as I've mentioned, these these terms within our context can certainly be relative. We all, I think, have a place to sleep. We all have a roof over our head. I think some of you might be thinking right now, what am I going to eat after church service? Um, These are many blessings that God has given us. There are some people who don't have that. So again, but the illustration here is, is uh, you know, this beautiful flower that's just rising, and then the sun comes, and, and it, it's done, just like that, just like this. It's just very, very short. Um, so what are we to do with this? Um, boast in what lasts, brothers and sisters. Boast in the fact of what God has done in our lives and what he wants to do using you. Um, again, we take it within the context, this, these three verses within the context of what we've learned so far, and that's this, that there are trials, and trials are, are they're a test for us. It's a refining fire, and it's like uncomfortable at times, but they help us endure and, uh, until the very end when we are made complete. Um, one last paradox here for you, and then we'll close out. Um, says it, that in our weakness... Um, Sorry, um, in and of ourselves, we are weak even when we are strongest. However, in Christ, we are strong even when we are weak. In ourselves, we're weak when we are strong, and in Christ, we're strong even when we are weak. So uh, this passage, what it reminds us is that we must remember our high position in Christ. I'm looking uh, at my brothers and sisters in Christ who are sons and daughters of God Most High. How incredible that is. It's incredible. Um, and for all of us, it's important to remember the brevity of life, that we are here one day, gone the next. Um, and the last thing is that trials, regardless of where you find yourself, they make us dependent on God. They make us trust the Lord. It can be very easy, very easy in the middle of trials to trust in our own intellect or in our own resources or whatever it is. But, but we must learn, whether we have or whether we don't, regardless of that, to depend on God. And that's easier done when we put our eyes on Christ, when we keep our eyes and our mind fixated on Jesus. So we're going to close off. I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and come up. And uh, we're going to close off with that song that says, Be Thou My Vision. Before we do that, would you go ahead and bow your heads and pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, Lord, um, God, teach us to number our days. To be reminded daily, Lord, that, Lord, of our position, our exalted position in you, Lord, that that might bring us comfort in the middle of trials. God, as well, teach us to remember the brevity of life, Lord, and in the middle of any trials that may come our way, Lord, help us to depend on you and not in our own strength, our own mind, or whatever. God, I just pray for our church, Lord, that you would continue to um, edify and grow us, Lord, as a church as a whole, Lord, as individual um, believers, God, and thank you, Lord, that we again can be here and gather in your name. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.